0: Thank you. Good afternoon. And, oh, Joe, do you want to start off with that? Sorry, I just jumped into it, Joe.
1: Good morning, everyone, or good afternoon, everyone. Uh, welcome. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, the minister will have a brief statement, then we'll take questions from the uh, room, and then we'll take questions from online, and uh, and we'll go from there. So, minister, uh, take it away.
0: Thanks, Joe. And good afternoon, everyone, and thank you all for being here today. I'm pleased today to share details about a proposed Alberta Police Service, that if implemented would put more frontline police officers in rural and remote communities. I'm often asked why the government is looking at the idea of a provincial police service. And the answer is simple. We have a duty as Alberta's government to consider whether new and innovative approaches to policing can make our community safer for everyone in the province, no matter where they live. The deployment model that we're announcing today shows how an Alberta police service could do just that by bringing police officers and mental health and addiction specialists closer to the communities they serve. This is a model which addresses the realities of policing in the wide open and remote spaces in many parts of our province. It has practical ideas, which would put more boots on the ground and reduce response times in rural Alberta. And I'll give you an example. Community detachments serving smaller municipalities and rural areas would have a guaranteed minimum of 10 police officers under the Alberta Police Service model. Community detachments would also have civilian mental health and addiction specialists available to provide support to frontline response. Now, Contrast that with the status quo, which leaves some detachments with as few as three officers. And this would change, or sorry, this would result, and in this change, this would result in 275 frontline police officers being added to the smallest 42 detachments in Alberta. The model also recognizes the needs of larger communities and proposes a network of between 20 and 30 service hubs. These detachments would have between 48 and 192 officers policing their community, as well as a range of specialist services. The larger size and more diverse range of services available at hub detachments is also meant to support nearby community detachments. For example, if a community detachment needs more specialized mental health and addiction support during a service call, they could be referred to a service hub in a town not far away. Under this model, specialized investigative functions and services like tactical teams and investigative units that are often close or based in a, in a large urban centre would be spread throughout the province at service hubs. And this would help to reduce response times during major incidents happening in rural and remote areas. Alberta's government believes that policing is better when it's done locally, for First Nations. That often means a self-administered police service. And that's why a few short weeks ago I was honoured to sign an MOU with the Siksika Nation to work towards re-establishing their own self-administered police service. At the same time, we announced a community policing grant program which offers First Nations communities and Alberta municipalities up to $30,000 to develop a business case for their own standalone um, police service or a regional police service. And in the coming weeks, that grant program will soon start to take applications. The model that we're announcing today is tailored to meet the distinct needs of Indigenous communities. And Alberta Police Service will provide dedicated support to self-administered First Nations police services through its hub detachments, making it easier for First Nations to establish and as well to maintain their own self-administered First Nations police services. Now, whether it's a self-administered First Nations police service, which exists today, or one that may be established in the future, and Alberta Police Service would work alongside with them. A real benefit of this bottle is it, it recognizes that different communities have different needs, while at the same time ensuring that every type of community, no matter how big or how small, has its core policing needs met. And now, if that sounds appealing, let me take you back to the question of why Alberta is studying a Provincial Police Service. To put it simply, the flexibility and the service-oriented qualities that are achievable under a provincial model are impossible to achieve in a federal model that has been designed for a national police force. The RCMP is responsible for national priorities like border security, organized crime, cyber-terrorism, and at the same time, the RCMP is also responsible for traffic stops in small town Alberta. The RCMP's mandate is stretched too thin. And as a result, its community policing services are a one size fits all proposition no matter where you live in Canada. Now, this isn't a secret, this isn't a new revelation. The federal government themselves admit it. Briefing notes provided to the minister responsible for the RCMP. Contain the following points that I just want to take a moment to quote verbatim. Quote, under resourcing is resulting in officer health and wellness concerns, end quote. Another quote, federal policing responsibilities have been and are being eroded to meet contract needs, end quote. And there's this one. It has been the government of Canada's objective since the 1960s to decrease its contract policing financial liability, end quote. And that's why so many provinces and municipalities with RCMP contracts are looking at alternatives. And that's why I believe that it makes sense for Alberta to seriously examine a provincial police service. Now, I want to stress again, that these realities are not a reflection of frontline RCMP officers. Alberta's RCMP officers serve with valor, they serve with honor, they serve with integrity, and we're grateful to their service. This is not a criticism or an attack on, on them. Our only quarrel is with the federal bureaucratic system that has now prevented reforming policing in our country for decades The Alberta police service model that I've discussed today would allow Alberta to provide better and more accountable policing to all of our communities. Now, we're looking forward to discussing the opportunities presented by an Alberta police service in the coming days. And I invite Albertans to explore the possibilities themselves at our recently launched website, futureofabpolicing.ca. Uh, thank you very much, and I look forward to now taking questions. Uh,
1: thank you very much, sir. Uh, we also have with us today uh, Doug Morgan. He's the Executive Director uh, in uh, Justice, and he'll be able to answer any uh, technical questions that you guys might have as well today. Uh, so without further ado, uh, please come up to the mic, uh, state your name and your affiliation. Uh, you'll have one question and one follow-up.
0: Yeah, Jordan Canninger with CTV News. Thanks for taking my questions, Minister. Uh, questions about staffing. Um, a lot of the report of this proposed plan assumes that you will just be able to take sworn officers from administrative roles who are currently in the RCMP and redeploy them to rural and remote areas. How can there be any assurances that uh, that officers would be willing to do that or that that would be able to happen? Well, one of the benefits of having a, a police service, one that is, um, has civilian oversight that falls under the the, you know, the police act or provincial legislation and allowing civilians like us to have decisions about the deployment of resources and the budgeting of a police service is just that so that we could for the first time be responsible for those decisions and be able to make them ourselves. So a lot of this um, in what's being discussed today and announced today is the result of a police service that would have modern police governance and allow civilians like us to be able to have a say in how resources are deployed throughout our communities. Uh, just to follow up to that sure. different question, we've we've repeatedly heard from municipalities, uh, mayors, Reeves from across the province who are not in favor of a move to a provincial police force. Who is it that's that's actually asking for this? Well, I, I'd start off by saying um, that the The opinions among many of our municipalities is varied, um, and um, when I heard from municipal leaders in the spring at the spring conferences at RMA and AUMA, <clears throat> that they they wanted to have further engagement. And so we've been meeting with them one at a time, sometimes as many as four at a time, and meeting with well over one hundred so far municipalities to be able to engage with them and hear their concerns directly and to be able to uh, answer their questions directly. That's, for me, much more insightful than, um, than uh, surveys that are financed by and, and published by the police union. Um, so those, those engagements have been very helpful for us. I think it's also important for us to remember that this isn't a new conversation. Uh, this is a conversation that Albertans have been having since I was in high school, and I'm now in my mid-40s. I mean, this has been going on since Ralph Klein was the, the premier of this province, 1994. Um, a lot of people forget this, but Chief Greer of the Pekanee Nation um, did a report himself for then-Premier Klein, and uh, Chief Greer, I think, deserves a lot of respect for for beginning that conversation here in the province. And, and the reason that we, as Albertans, have wanted to have this conversation for decades is because... Um, we do need to have modern police governance to be able to have a greater say in the deployment of resources in our communities, have a greater say over, um, over recruitment strategies, over budgeting. And that's what I think Albertans are interested in having those discussions about.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much. Do we have any other questions from the room? Yeah, please go ahead.
0: Chandro, this is Misha mustakin with, C- with CDV News Calgary, same organization as last time. Okay, so you said the Alberta... What's going to happen to the Alberta RCMP after the Alberta Provincial Police gets implemented? Well, it, there have been no decisions yet. If there was a Provincial Police, the RCMP... I mean, we have to remember that this isn't really a new idea. This is something that exists in Ontario and Quebec and Newfoundland. The RCMP would still exist in, in every jurisdiction, and they would focus on their core mandate, their, their core functions of being a federal police service. As I said in my, my notes, cyberterrorism, uh, human trafficking, organized crime would be the core functions that they would focus on rather than being distracted by contract policing, for the, the provincial policing and the 47 communities that they provide municipal police services for. So they would still be here and focusing on their core functions. So they'll be
1: akin to, like, the FBI in America, when they're, like, uh, the FBI being the federal police
0: service. And then in the states, they also have the states, state police. So, you're, so effectively, the Alberta government wants something, like, similar to that model, right? And, and similar to what, as I said, it already exists right now in Ontario today, and has for a very long time. Also something that existed in Alberta from 1917 to 1932, thereabout, we had a provincial police service ourselves. When the federal government pulled out the Northwest Mounted Police, we had a provincial police. Um, When the RCMP were formed in 1925, they were there as the federal police service. Um, So it's just like if you were to uh, be in any municipality in Ontario, there's going to be either the OPP or your municipal service. But the the, the RCMP, they're, they're kind of like an FBI, but they, they wear other hats as well. That would be the equivalent of maybe other agencies in the United States, but that would be a good analogy. Right. Thank, Thank you
1: very much. Uh, please go ahead.
0: Hi, Celine Gallus Hi. for Rebel News. I'm um, just wondering if um, the cost of this implementation has, uh, if, if you're willing to come to light on that or... Come to light. Well, I, I have some thoughts on this debate about um, about costs, and quite frankly, I think that it's a red herring. Um, and let me tell you why. Um, the The police union recently came to a, a collective agreement, and this was done unilaterally, with without us as a province, without our municipalities. It was done unilaterally. But not only was it was it done unilaterally, it was done in a way that is going to increase the cost of the current contract by twenty percent. So I, I think any, any criticism or any, any of this debate about, about cost is a, is a red herring. Um, and as well, as I, I mentioned previously, it's important for us to remember that the federal government has been, since the 1960s, trying to reduce their financial liability when it comes to contract policing and trying to get out of their subsidy that they provide us. And this includes 2007 when we were negotiating what is the current agreement with the, the federal government, look, we expect them to probably take that, that position again in the future in trying to at least demand hundred percent cost recovery. Um, now, Alberta has guaranteed cost certainty for our municipalities here in the province. And we've uh, guaranteed that we would bear any transition costs, um, which are, are marginal in, in the context of a large provincial budget. But, Perhaps the, uh, the biggest point that, that I, I'd really like to drive home um, for, for all Albertans is, is this. Both Quebec and Ontario have their own provincial police service. And look, their provinces have not collapsed. So uh, don't trust the union rhetoric that is out there about cost. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you very much. Do we have any
1: other questions from inside the room? Please go ahead, if you don't mind going to the mic.
2: that um, obviously there's a UCP leadership race going on right now and um, there's some different uh, ideas from some of the candidates. So what if uh, one of these people wins and then they don't want this? So, yeah, there's concern about that.
0: Well, uh, look, I, I, as I said, no decision has been made uh, about this and we have been engaging with municipalities and First Nations because they've asked us to. And they've asked us for, for some further details um, uh, since the the pwc report and that's that 's the the context of today 's announcement is for us to be able to answer those further questions that they've they 've asked for us um, and and that 's the the point of this and and any decision uh, related to whether or not we as a as a province proceed with a provincial police service is is up to that next government and any future government um, i 'll also say like i 'm thrilled to to see that a um, the potential decision to move to um, Alberta police uh, service is, uh, is part of the leadership race and is uh, firmly backed by the front runners um, it's a, a subject that's been a topic of debate as I, I said previously uh, to, to CTV for, for decades since, uh, you know, since I was in, in high school and it deserves to be part of the discussion about Alberta's uh, future um, you know UCP party members know that a, uh, the provincial responsibility for the administration of justice that includes policing The Constitution provides for this being a a provincial jurisdiction. Uh, Successive governments have, um, or previous governments, I should say, um, have uh, abdicated that responsibility by leaving community policing in the hands of the the federal government, contracting it out to the federal government, taking back this provincial jurisdiction and providing better and higher quality services, especially for rural Albertans who have been uh, ravaged by crime, who have been affected by the federal government's decisions on, on uh, redesigning bail in, in 2019 has rightfully animated a lot of UCP members and uh, the front runners in this race get that. Um, Our, our government has been as well criticized for, you know, quote, sending letters to Ottawa, um, but not taking action. Now I disagree with that critique, but anybody who is, is interested uh, and, you know, there is one letter that would be different from all the others, and that would be the uh, the letter that gives notice to, um, to Ottawa, that Alberta is taking back responsibility for policing. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Oh, one more question from inside the room. Sorry, I think the spot, like, I that's all
0: right, that's all right.
2: <laughs> um, just to follow up on that, I'm wondering about, uh, you know, I understand this is a proposal right now, but if we were to go ahead, what is the timeline for that? What does it look like? First, you send the letter, and then, um, you know, is there a number of years where there's a, a transition period?
0: Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, it's actually contemplated in the current agreement with the federal government. So it, it, it uh, uh, provides for two years. Um, right now, there is a jurisdiction in, in, in B.C. that's now transitioning to a municipal service. And so what would happen is a, a provincial police service would be stood up, there would be a period of time when there would be a joint command structure, which is, by the way, not not new in in Canada. There are a lot of times in which you need more than one service to be working alongside with another, and and you have joint command. And so there would be a transition period where there would be a joint command structure until the uh, the uh, provincial police, if there is one, uh, would be fully operational on its own. Uh,
2: just a quick follow up, if I can. I, I noticed this is um, you know it, it, the literature all talks about the the. The backbone of this really being those, those royal detachments which could go from as little as 3 to 10. Mm. Um, when we say that they currently have three RCMP officers, do we mean three in the entire detachment for seven days a week or do we mean three on duty?
0: Uh, it's, it's three in the entire detachment. Maybe I'll give Doug an opportunity to speak to this. All so there are right,
2: times where there is literally one officer on duty and two who are off shift. Uh,
0: Doug, do you want to speak to this at all? Thank you.
3: So a detachment would have certain positions assigned to it. So if they have, let's say, three or four what they call RCP members, which is police officers, then those are assigned and the detachment has certain areas of service that it provides. Now, there's obviously civilian staff that work out of there as well. But there's adjacent RCMP detachments. So the RCMP is obviously not going to leave a call for service unanswered. If somebody has a 911 call and they, they have an immediate need of life safety needs, they would dispatch officers from nearby detachments if that... Detachment that only has three members, uh, let's say for instance someone's off sick or something like that. So obviously the RCP managed that, um, but there is a time lag, obviously, that comes from when people when the call comes in and they, uh, a neighboring detachment is dispatched somebody who's available and nearby to come arrive. When you grow the detachment to 10 members, they now have that integral ability. So they don't have to rely on these cover-offs as much because they have more resourcing available for them as well. But obviously, when there's a call that comes in, the job of every, every police service is to ensure that life safety needs are met and public safety needs are met, including
0: under the current arrangement. Okay, thank you. Thanks so much, Doug. Um, operator? Sorry, oh, I, I, oh please, understand. go ahead, sir. And just maybe some further context to an answer to your question. And, you know, this is also about, I, I think this, this model is, is about focusing more on being proactive rather than reactive, so instead of just waiting for the 911 calls, also having a true community policing model that is, is similar to, to the ones we have in, in our municipal services that have a, a municipal police service. Thank you.
1: Excellent. Thank you, sir. Uh, operator, can you please put through the first caller? The first question is from Tyler Dawson, National Post. Please go ahead. Hey, I, I just wanted to ask you, like, how committed to this are you guys like the website that you set up says that it you know it's sort of a matter of if not when um, you put you know money and effort into these reports and announcements and op-eds like but you know what what is actually going on here like give me give me a number between one and ten I guess on, on how committed you guys are to this idea
0: uh, no great question Tyler as I said in in answer to uh, a previous question though um w- at this point, as I said, you know there is one letter that a, the next uh, premier of Alberta could send to to Ottawa, uh, and, and that is one to take back policing jurisdiction. This is something that would be ready to go if if the next government wanted to to do so. This is ready to to proceed, um, but as I said, this is is up to the, the next government to to make that that decision. Um, but when we talk about you know, whether this is inevitable or not, I think we have to remember. Because there, there have been some municipal leaders that have said to me, you know, why, why are you talking about this? Please stop talking about this. Make this go away. But it, it isn't. And it's not even a, a partisan issue. If we look next door to B.C., there's an, an all-party committee of Greens and, and liberals and NDP who have uh, come up with a joint report uh, to recommend getting out of contract policing. Um, Saskatchewan, New Brunswick, PEI, Nova Scotia—every jurisdiction other than Manitoba—who does contract policing is looking at getting out of it, and and that includes, as I, I mentioned in my remarks, the federal government. That you know, Public Safety Canada is is saying that they've been trying to get out of contract policing for the RCMP since the '60s, and they're starting negotiation for this last agreement, which started in 2007. Uh, started off by demanding 100% cost recovery, kind of sending the signals even back then before this current um, agreement that they they wanted to to put the gears of the provinces and get out of contract policing. Um, And so, and policing is a profession that has gone through a lot of change over the last five years. And uh, communities are demanding modern police governance. They're they're demanding for, for policing to be community policing, um, and a lot of those demands, a lot of this change of, of the profession is, is quite frankly going to, to lead us to, to having more modernized police governance and, and, and services in, in our communities. Um, and, and so, I mean, with every province having these conversations, e- even if we were to stop this conversation, it doesn't mean it ends necessarily here in Alberta. Thank you, Tyler. Do you have a follow-up?
1: Uh, no, I'm good, thanks. Well,
0: thanks thank so to- you so much.
1: Operator, please put through the next caller. The next question is from Alex McQuay, Western Producer. Please go ahead. Yeah, thanks for taking my call. Uh, will, neci- will municipalities have to pay more than they already do for the same services uh, for a provincial police service? Sorry,
0: what was the question? Yeah, you may have to repeat that. Sorry, your yeah, question sorry. was a little
1: bit. Will municipalities, uh, under, well, I'm not sure the funding model, but uh, will municipalities have, are, are they going to be expected? More than they already do for contract services uh, to receive uh, the same services uh, than they already do.
0: Good question. No, we've made it clear to municipalities, and that, that's quite frankly the, the biggest concern when I've met with municipalities, and they've been wanting to to discuss this. The biggest concern that municipalities have is they're they're worried about is is are you just going to download costs onto us um, in twenty nineteen there was uh, a new new model for how policing is, is funded in the province. We've made a commitment to municipalities that if there is a transition to provincial police, that this will not result in um, costs being downloaded onto those municipalities. Thank you. Thank you. Is there a follow-up?
1: Yeah, so um, under the current funding model, uh, communities such as Red Cliff and Cooldale, who are currently paying 100% of uh, contract services. Uh, will they continue
0: to have to do that uh, with a potential cleave service? Well, Coaldale is a, a special situation that um, and has really been helpful for me to, to meet with um, their council and, and speak to their MLA, Grant Hunter, for us to, to find an alternative under the current agreement with the RCMP um, to be able to find an alternative where they don't have to... Um, uh, be encumbered by that 100% cost recovery by the federal government, I think incorrectly determining them to be a new entrant. Um, so that's that's a separate situation. But for our, our communities, whether they are, you know, they currently have an MPSA, this this municipal police service agreement with uh, the federal government, or whether they, they fall under the provincial policing model, that this will not have increased costs on those municipalities. And not only that, I think as we're, we're talking about today, we're, we're not even going to increase costs on them, but we're going to provide them with better, higher quality services is what's being proposed here in this deployment model by having fewer, fewer uh, officers being deployed in a headquarters or in a your bureaucratic role and instead being deployed out into their communities. So higher, higher quality, better services for communities and, and no additional cost to them. Thank you, sir. Operator, can you
1: please put through the next caller? next caller is Tom Ross, CBC. Please go ahead.
0: Hi, can you go into some specifics about how you're going to find all these additional officers? Is the assumption that uh, all the RCMP in Alberta are just going to jump over to the Alberta Provincial Police? No, we don't assume that that every one of them will. Obviously, there there would be opportunities for um, those who are serving with the RCMP right now in Alberta to, to be able to to, um, to join an Alberta Provincial Police Service. We don't expect it to be 100% uh, who transition over. And opportunities for us, though, for the first time, because we, again, we do understand from Public Safety Canada that, they, um, that the mandate for the RCMP and being the Federal Police Service, but also contract policing in all these jurisdictions and all these municipalities are stretched too thin and we have no civilian oversight over the recruitment and retention of officers, we could then be responsible for and have a say in how folks are recruited. And we have to. We have to be um, innovative in how we recruit people to our communities, in particular our rural communities. One of the reasons why Premier recently um, made his announcement about Alberta's calling and that website and being able to make sure that Alberta is a destination of choice for people to come. Start a career and raise their families. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Uh, do you have a follow-up to that question?
4: I uh, know that's okay. Thanks.
1: Thank you very much. Uh, operator, please put through the next caller. The next question is from Dennis Cupton, CBC Edmonton. Please go ahead. Hello, Minister. Thank you very much for this press conference. Uh, does the government have any immediate plans to conduct public um, consultations about the plan to implement the provincial police force? And does it intend to consult with the municipalities in a more
0: formal way? Oh, well, yes. And, and that's exactly what we are doing. We are consulting, um, going back to the two spring conferences of RMA the rural municipalities of Alberta and uh, what used to be AUMA, now Alberta municipalities, they said to me loud and clear, we we want to speak to you, we want more consultations in particular with us. Um, We have been doing that with them and Indigenous communities to hear their their feedback. I've been doing that since March and uh, meeting with all these municipalities to answer their questions and get their feedback directly, but also RMA and uh, Alberta municipalities speaking with them. And getting feedback through to them and their executive, and um, and as well, uh, I mentioned our, our website, futureofabpolicing.ca. We've been. Um, I think being more more clear about what the facts would be about a provincial police if we were to proceed with one, engaging with Albertans. And we look forward to more innovative ways in which that website is going to engage and answer questions, get feedback from Albertans on on this question. And uh, I think it's an exciting opportunity for us to continue to engage Albertans that way. Thank you. Thank you. Do you have a follow-up?
1: Yes. Uh, when it comes to funding uh, What do you think the government will have to do in order to make sure that it is sustainable in long term? Right now, Alberta is in good financial position, but it may not last forever. What uh, do you think needs to be done in order to prevent this police force from blowing the budget in the, from blowing the hole in the provincial budget, uh, say, 10 years down the road after it's implemented?
0: Good question. And the answer is, by having a provincial police service. We have to remember that Right now, and, and in particular for many of us who live in a major urban or in a community that has a municipal police service, we have a, a, a police commission that oversees the budget that is uh, funded both by the province and by that municipality. The commission members uh, end up being appointed by those municipalities. They have their their meetings in public. We as a public can go and, and watch the Edmonton Police Commission and have their their public meetings. And for communities in the province that don't have a municipal service, we don't have that opportunity. We don't have civilian oversight over budget. We don't have civilian oversight over the deployment of resources. And, and that's the limitation that we now have. We have policing that's provided uh, by the RCMP. They, they ask for what our provincial priorities are, and we have those discussions with them. Um, but then they provide the policing uh, to us, and they turn around and provide us with the invoice for our 70%. Um, so, by exactly by having a provincial police service, we could have that civilian oversight over budgeting, like we have right now in in, in Edmonton with their their police um, services budget, or in Calgary, Tabor, Camrose, et cetera, and 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 that's the way it would happen.
1: Thank you very much, operator. Please put through the next caller. The next question is from uh, Audrey Neve, Radio Canada. Please go ahead.
4: Hi, thanks thanks for taking my question. Currently, the RCMP is under uh, the Official Languages Act and therefore has to provide services in French in Alberta. What provisions do you uh, see uh, in law to provide French services to residents of Alberta?
0: Oh, Sorry, was there a question that would would we have an Alberta Provincial Police Service having the same requirement?
4: Yeah, like what requirements would you put on? Would you have any at all?
0: Well, we we have been meeting with francophone communities in Alberta, and I think it's similar to the way it is for other um, other uh, provincial jurisdiction areas like health and, and education, and being able to meet, understand the the concerns of um, of Albertans and francophone communities, and what le- um, services need to be provided in their communities in both English and French. And um, so it's been great for us to be able to meet with those communities and, and meet with uh, various organizations that represent them to get their feedback on how we can continue to provide uh, services in their communities in, in both uh, languages. Excellent. Do you have a follow-up?
4: Yes. Uh, what I'll do respect to things fairly advanced in, like, the number of people you would have in officers, I mean, in each detachment. And there are rural areas in Albrea like Peace River, for example, that have a substantial Francophone community. I think they would want reassurance, to know, if they could be served in their own language, which is protected in Canada.
0: And and that's been the great opportunity we've had in in engaging with those, those Francophone communities and the organizations that represent those communities so we can understand um what what we we uh what services need to be provided for them to uh and so i I think it's been a great opportunity for us to engage with them and hear from them to understand what what uh what they would be looking for in their communities
1: uh thank you very much operator please put through the last call uh the next question is from uh ashley joanna post media edmonton please go ahead
4: Hi, Minister. Um, At the beginning of this uh, uh, press conference, you referred to concerns over costs as a red herring, but you later acknowledged that cost is something the municipalities are concerned about. If Alberta was to move to a provincial police force, the province would lose out on about $200 million that it gets annually from the federal government. Are you able to provide an answer for Albertans as to how the province would make up that money?
0: That's a great question. Um, So, first of all, if, if we did proceed with the provincial police service, and the the federal government decides to to no longer provide with a a subsidy, I think we have to remember, and I've I've made this comment a couple times today, but we have to remember the federal government has wanted out of that liability since the 1960s. And uh, the the opportunity in continuing to receive that subsidy, quite frankly, has a shelf life. Um, The federal government tried to get out of it before 2012, before this current agreement, you know, back when we started negotiating in 2007, um, they, they, they've indicated in every way possible that they want out of that, that liability, they want out of uh, that subsidy. I think they're going to be demanding in any future agreement, you know, this, this current one ends in 2032, and I think we as provinces can expect that the federal government will be demanding 100% cost recovery. So we as provinces have to contemplate that this has a shelf life, uh, for uh, for us as provinces. But, but the reason I called it a red herring is because right now we have no civilian oversight over budgeting as it is right now. And we have to remember that for those who uh, want to debate the cost of a provincial police service and whether or not there's going to be a subsidy, we have to remember that the federal government unilaterally without us and without our municipalities negotiated a collective bargaining agreement with the union that increased, without us having any say in it, the cost of this current contract by 20%. So we, ha- by having that civilian oversight over budgeting, by having modern police governance, we would then be able to proceed in, in setting budgets and making sure that police servicing in this province would be sustainable. Thank you. Do you have a follow-up?
4: Yeah, when it comes to uh, giving the province more control over setting budgets, this has been a government that has been very focused on keeping costs low. Do you see a scenario in the future where uh, the Alberta government would be pushing for a reduction in salaries for police officers compared to what they get currently with the RCMP?
0: Uh it- no um, and and I think that's important as well for us to remember that when we 're setting the budget for for policing in our our province, and this this comes down to why we made this announcement today. We were meeting with municipalities and hearing from them they they had concerns Are you going to be closing our detachments? Are you going to be reducing the the number of police officers in each of our detachments what, the reason we 're announcing this today is be able to show them not only or making a commitment to you that this would not increase costs in your community, but for for the same amount of money that a community is contributing to their policing, we can provide uh, more services and higher quality services for that amount of money in their communities, in particular for those communities that are rural and remote. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, my apologies, sir. We do have one last question oh, sure. online. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, so operator, please put through uh, our our, definitely our last caller. <laughs> The next question is from Catherine Gipkowski over today. Please go ahead.
4: Hi, thanks for, for taking my question. Um, so within this hub model there are several um, several different places where things like dogs or forensic labs fall in, but I don't see where the training centers are. so can you can you explain how training would work under
0: this model? Uh, So this is about the deployment model. This isn't about training. Um, We know that there is already training that's already being done in our province for the, uh, the current and existing municipal police services, so Calgary and Edmonton. At Lethbridge College... know they just had their first class graduate uh, that was hosted by Tabor there's great ways in which communities like Tabor and Lethbridge are already working to collaborate in, in training we have training facilities and we have training that exists in the province already for our sheriffs and so if this is a situation that we where we do proceed with a provincial police, um, whether there would need it to be any new locations for training um, or, or whether we would need any facilities, uh, that would be determined at a later date and uh, how many new locations we don't know. Um, and th- those would be conversations we would have to have with those, those communities and, and those municipalities to be able to, to make those decisions. So we definitely do want to leave that conversation and being flexible. Thank you, Catherine. Catherine, do you have and a follow-up?
4: Yeah, to go back to Tyler Dawson's question on the fact that you say no decision has been made, it'll be up to the next government. The website that you directed us to says it's a matter of if but when, not if but when. Um,
0: and why, why, why do not I say that? This
4: question, why, not, why, not, why not put this question... To a, a referendum then in the next general election.
0: Well, if if uh, if and how a future government decides to proceed is up to that that future government. If they decide to to proceed with the referendum, that's up to them. Um, but again, the reason that it says it's not a matter of of if but when is because we see every jurisdiction other than Manitoba having this conversation. It's a nonpartisan one. Uh, this is a conversation where. The Greens and the NDP and the Liberals in BC agree and uh, a report from a joint committee is recommending getting out of contract policing um, this isn't this isn't a fight with the federal government. they are themselves you know the mandate letter from the Prime Minister to his minister is asking the minister to look into getting out of contract policing so with all these jurisdictions wanting this conversation with Albertans wanting this conversation since the 1990s and and with the the federal government, Indicating that they want out of the subsidy. I think that we have to, in, in our communities and working together, um, our, our you know policing community in, in the province, working together in finding a, a solution that if this is something that's foisted on us, uh, even in the future, that we're ready and we have a solution that would be fitting our province and fitting our needs and priorities. Thank you, Catherine.
1: Thank you very much, Minister. Thank you very much, uh, Doug. And thank you all for for coming today. Uh, That concludes uh, today's press conference. Have a great afternoon.
0: Thanks, everyone.